like, thanks to Kelsey, we're on the second bracha of Shmona Esrei, because it would be really hard to do one last class <laughs> on the first <laughs> bracha of Shmona Esrei. So I'm really very grateful to you. Just start sort of fresh over here. Okay, now, the second bracha, of course, just continues. It doesn't open with the word baruch, and we already had that conversation, so we won't go there again. Continuing from the bracha before it, Ata gibor le'olam Hashem. I'm going to take out the hirsch sitter because it's not so easy to translate. I mean, they're not hard words, but it's difficult to know. Ata, you. Gibor le'olam Hashem. Our all-powerful forever, Hashem. Mechaye Mesimata, you are the reviver of the dead. Rav Lahoshia, the one who is mighty to save, to provide salvation. In the winter, we add here, Mashiv Haruach Umarit Hagashem. You cause the winds to blow and the rain to come down. Mechakel Chaim Bechesed. You, you provide, you nourish life with chesed. Mechaye mesim, and revive the dead, berachamim rabim, with great compassion. Somech noflim, you support those who fall. Verofe cholim, and heal the sick. Actually, I like Rav Hirsch's translation. Somech noflim, support the falling, mm-hmm. which both makes it, a noun, but also makes it that they haven't actually fallen. So that doesn't mean they actually had to fall. Which is interesting. Verofe cholim and heal the sick, umatir asurim, and unchain the bound. Umekayim emunoso lishene afar. Excuse me. And keep, and he keeps, we've gone into third person, umekayim, and he keeps, sustains, makes lasting, emunaso, his emuna. Lishene Afar, to those who sleep in the dust. Micha Mocha Baal Givuros. Now, we've, we've seen this concept before. When in Torah language, this is, this is a Siddur, it's Antri Knesset Hagadola era language, I mean, it obviously predates Antri Knesset Hagadola, but the formalization. But since what they're doing is quoting from Sukkim and things, we know that when it says Micha Mocha, who is like you? That means there is none like you. Okay, so micha mocha ba'elim Hashem, same idea. Micha mocha balgiveros, who is like you? There's none like you, master of all powers. Umi domelach, and there is none comparable to you. Melech memis, to be a king who can, who can put to death umechaye and bring to life. Umatzmiach, and cause to sprout or grow Yeshua salvation. Vene'emanata, and you are faithful, lahachayos mesim, to bring to life those who have died, baruchato Hashem mechayeh hamesim. Blessed are you, Hashem, who revives the dead. Now, there's one very clear theme here, which is reviving the dead. Is it three times or four times? Four. Atagibor leolam Hashem, mechayeh mesim ata ravoshia, mechalka chayim bechesed mechayeh mesim berachamim rabim, and then, this, um, I mean, you could take a hint to Mikhaim Emunas Olishene Afar, but let's say we don't count that. Mido Melach Melach Mimisu Mikhaye. So there are three mentions of Tchias Amesim. Just in there. In there. Venem Anatala Hachayos Mesim. Now we've got four. And then the Bracha, Mikhaye Hamesim. So four going on five. Okay, let's say there's four mentions of Tchias Amesim, and a fifth one. The fifth one, which is either the fifth mention or the one that really encapsulates and sums up the other four. <clears throat> I'll just write that down as a question for next time. <laughs> so come back to it. So really, the name of this bracha should be clear. It should be the bracha of Mechai Hamesim. But it's not. <laughs> so the first bracha was called Avos, right? Mm-hmm. The second bracha is called Gvuros. 
that's not to contradict Machayim Hamisim, obviously, but it's kind of interesting. That's Gvura. In other words, if the bracha, if the topic is Gvuros, mightinesses, then the most expressed aspect of that is Trias Hamisim. And it's legitimate to say that all the other examples given in this bracha are really variations on Trias Hamisim, just maybe less extreme. So picking up one who has fallen, healing one who is sick, releasing one who is bound. They're, they're all Tchiasamesim on a greater or lesser level. Tchiasamesim is just the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what are we down here? Oh. Avos. Goes to a different, different problem. Okay. So what I wanted to talk about today was this overall, the overarching concept of the bracha, the gvura, um, and in particular why the gvura is tchiasamesim. Well, two topics, so I don't know if we'll get to both of them today. One is why the gvura is tchiasamesim, and the other is what we get from contemplating that. Like, where's our mind? We talked about it a bit with the first bracha in Avos, that in receiving chesed, it also inspires us, it, it makes us feel loved, mm-hmm. and in addition, causes us to wish to reciprocate love. Mm-hmm. So, or, or to be the channel of love, meaning to receive that love and pass it on, whether it's back or outward. Um, so what happens with gurus? Mm. Yeah, what's, like, how does that... If the goal here is Enod Milvado, there's none other than Hashem. And we would be then receiving, really standing to ask for our needs, receive them, and yet receive them in such a way that it's all Hashem's will, and that's what we want to see fulfilled, then how would the provision of Gvura or the process of Gvura bring us there? How, what's the connection? Okay. So, to talk about that, I want to start with a conversation on Yerushalayim. Now, the truth is, we started the conversation on Yerushalayim on Shabbos because it came up. <laughs> but it happens to be that in the other davening shir, we are on the topic of Sukkot de Zimra. Now, let's see. I'm going to share with you their handout because Sukkot de Zimra within the structure of Shachris fills the same role as Gavura in its way. So... We haven't had any one of these in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it actually is a new one. Because this has the Tzidka Satsadeh column on it, which you've never had as a handout. Um... Okay. With Atogi, let me read you first this little piece from Refersh. From the, it's Refersh Sitter. Atogi Bor, Hashem, you are the mighty one. You are the one who does mighty acts. You're the mighty one. If God is our shield, if he's the mighty one, uh, sorry, if he's Magain Avraham, I think that's the reference, is back to Magain Avraham then we need fear nothing, not even death. So the first thing he's done is he's transitioned us from the first bracha to the second bracha. In the first bracha, we're completely focused on Hashem's chesed and end with the thought that Hashem is mugging Avraham, right? The malachim said this when Avraham was thrown into the fiery furnace. The malachim said, Baruch atah Hashem magin Avraham. Mm-hmm. Hashem is the shield of Avraham. With the shield, I think, was also we had one of the explanations of Ozer, Umoshia, Umagain. The shield prevents the hurt from even reaching you. Right? There's the helping, there's the saving, but with a shield, it never even gets to you. Okay. If so, Atagi Bor, you're the one with all the strength. In other words, if I know that Hashem is my shield, Kishemesh Umagain Hashem Elokim, then what am I going to be afraid of? nothing other than possibly him because no, he's the shield so nothing can touch me if god is our shield then we need fear nothing not even death for god is mightier than death 
right? So that's the one thing. You can say, well, okay, fine, but I'll still be afraid to die. But Hashem is mightier even than death. So that's piece number one that Rav Hirsch is pointing to is a transition from Magin Avraham to Atta Gibor, how you would get from love to Yira, to Gvura. Okay, now it's going to... Is started to walk us towards Yira Shamayim, which is as opposed to Yira of anything else. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to soften my voice, or it's not going to last much longer. Okay. The second thing that it points us to is why death is such a big topic in the Bracha of Gvura. Because as humans, we say every nothing's inevitable except death and taxes, right? So death, like you can't. Like, it's very nice that there's a God, but in the end, we all die. That makes it sound like, who's stronger? Death. But the truth is, Hashem is stronger than death. There is no force that God is not in control of completely, including death. So God is mightier than death. He can reawaken even the dead to renewed life. So this is a very important beginning to helping us understand how we how we got to all this discussion of Mechai HaMesim, Mechai HaMesim, Mechai HaMesim, because that is an edge, sort of an ultimate example. If we can get, wrap our heads around that, then there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing left other than God to be afraid of. Thus, he is abundantly powerful, Lehoshia, to grant new salvation, but he has, I have seen this in, I'm trying to remember where I saw it in Rav Hirsch, where he explains the root of the concept of Yeshua is Yish, existence. I know that there's Nayan in Hoshia, but he says it elsewhere. Here he just hints to it. He is abundantly powerful, Lehoshia, to grant new Yesh, as opposed to Ayan, non-existence, right? New vigorous and true being and life at any moment. This he demonstrates by his gracious gifts of wind and rain, which determine the course of all the Earth's physical development. When you hear that, so, okay, interactive. Where are you on your map of the worlds? <laughs> ha ha. A pop quiz. You're the one that's receiving the... But where are you here? Oh, when you hear that here. Hashem is doing such and such, right, which in this case is... Gracious gifts of wind and rain, which determine the course of the Earth's physical development. You're still in Olam HaAsiyah. You're still in your body. So you're not quite there. You are in your body, yeah. Yeah, you're, ac yeah, you're actually you're in the world of Yitzirah. How come? So the, here are the clues. What are the clues? One is Earth, physical, and development. So we're under the black line. We're in the world of nature. But another was wind and rain. So wind and rain are shaping forces. Shaping forces. So we're, we're in the formation, the shaping. Yitzira, formation, shaping, right, which determines the course of the Earth's physical development. So that's climate, mazel, um, natural forces, tornadoes, tsunamis, earthquakes, um, geographical formation, and also the influence of geography and topography so that it affects the course of rivers and seas, which affects human history and the actions and decisions of nations and movements of large peoples, right? Mm -hmm. That is all determined. So that's all wind and rain, which determine the course of all Earth's physical development and also in the high and low periods that are part of the lives of men, the ups and downs, mm -hmm. which are not what we actually have or don't have, which would be the ASEA, the full existence, but those are the things which shape what we have or how we feel about it. So that's the world of how we feel. Mm -hmm. um, people have ups and downs, which have as much to do with how they feel about it as what's actually happening. Because right? a person's situation, a lot can depend on how it feels as compared to what their situation was before that. One person moves into a, a shanty and feels blessed because they're out of the rain and one person is in a shanty and this is the worst thing that's ever happened to him because at that level of the emotion it's the level of the forces that are buffeting us and shaping us of their aryatsers everywhere it is his almighty power that acts to preserve the living to bring new life to the dying and the dead to support those who stumble to heal the sick to unchange, unchain the prisoner the statement here is telling us you, I, 
you'll probably see as we go along why I'm understanding reverse this way. It's based on his own writings just elsewhere. Okay. What he's saying is we may look and see power and forces that seem to be shaping us or directing us. Wind, rain, geography, climate, acts of God, <laughs> but acts of nature, um, our emotional state, depression, or compared, right? all these things, that wars, movements of nations, Everywhere it is his almighty power that acts to preserve the living. The job when you're looking at Gvura is recognizing that all that mightiness, all those stars swirling around in orbits, and these inconceivable distances to them, and the power of a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake, to raise a mountain or a whirlpool to suck a sea or a volcano, that all of that is God's power, just a fraction of it, acting upon the world and upon us to preserve the living, bring new life to the dying and the dead, support those who stumble, heal the sick, unchange the prisoner. Mm-hmm. Unchain the prisoner. I'm going to stop on this one right here. And this will be different okay so why did I understand it that way I mean I that's what he said but but how do I understand that that's what he said so one piece is here this is his introduction to Shimona Esrei what I just read to you was his commentary a piece of commentary on this bracha in his introduction to Shimona Esrei in Givuros, we contemplate the all-conquering omnipotence of God. Mm-hmm. I think the all-conquering makes it also... It, yeah, I mean, it's the omnipotence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here, too, we learn that unshakable trust, which is interesting. You would think you would learn that from Chesed. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Well, he said here, too, so it's very possible that he said it about Abbas also. Here too we learn that unshakable trust which enables us to withstand all the vicissitudes of life and even death itself. So the contemplation of mighty things is terrifying. When we realize that it's Hashem who is acting through those things, that makes him more terrifying because he's bigger than that, even that. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it gives us an unshakable trust. So whereas the world appears to be able to shake us completely, suddenly it's not scary. It'll, it gives us a, an anchor underneath all the shifting movements in the earth that can hurt us, that we can anchor ourselves to. It enables all those pervaded with the genuine fear of God to unlearn the fear of human power or natural Horse. I love that line. <laughs> to unlearn it. It happens to be that this is to a great extent the Avodah Psuke de Zimra. That's why I'm going to go back and forth between the notes. And in its place, to acquire the skill of passing calmly and serenely through all the trials that are part of daily living. Wowzers. Okay, so I want to share an example with you from Devara. I think I should like cut this out and stick it in the sitter, right? In Gavuros, we contemplate the all-conquering omnipotence of God. Here, too, we learn that unshakable trust which enables us to withstand all the vicissitudes of life and even death itself and which enables all those pervaded with the genuine fear of God to unlearn the fear of human power or natural force, and in its place to acquire the skill of passing calmly and serenely through all the trials that are part of daily living. So we kind of have to talk about Yerushalayim, because that's what we're supposed to be acquiring in Gvuros, or thinking on, or strengthening, or touching in with. 
and it's the sort of thing that we hear spoken about and yet do not necessarily know how to acquire. How do you get your Shemayim? So, I give you an example of where you see it, which is in Devarim, the end of Shoftim. The halachos of going out to war. When you go out to war, the Kohen is gonna the Kohen who is Meshuach Melchama will stand up and speak to the people. The Omar Alehem and he'll say to them, Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel, Atam Krivim Hayom La Melchama, Aloivechem. You are approaching, you're gonna go into battle against your enemies. Don't let your hearts be soft. Do not be afraid. Don't panic. Not sure what ta'artsu means. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, Not sure what al-ta'artsu is. I mean, it's clearly another kind of fear. I don't know. Don't be afraid of them. Of them. Ki Hashem Elokechem, for Hashem, your Lord, Haholechimachem, is the one who is walking with you. Lehilachimachem imoivechem, to do battle with you, with your enemies, Lahoshia Eschem, and to save you. It's very interesting that imoivechem, to do battle, you don't usually say with. In English you do, not in Hebrew. Right? Back here it said, Lamelchama aloivechem, upon your enemies. Here it's with your enemies, which means, I think, I think it's probably legitimate to say that it means that it's Hashem, your God, who's going with you. He's with you fighting your enemies, and he's also walking with your enemies. So whatever's happening against you, it's not really them. It's him. I think that's a legitimate reading, especially in the context. It it sounds crazy to say such a thing. But if you take a step back, that's not crazy at all. That's exactly what you need to know when you're going into a war. That it's not the enemies who have power. It's God who has power. And it's not me who has power, so it doesn't matter how little or much I have. Because it's God who's walking with me. God's walking with me and and with my enemies. So he's the one. So that's the Okay. Which then helps us to understand the following. Whoever has built a new home and not lived in it, go back home. Whoever has planted a vineyard and not harvested it, go back home. Whoever has gotten engaged and not finished the marriage and married his wife, go back home. And then they go on, and they also furthermore say, Mi ha'ish hayare, whoever is the person who is afraid, and his heart is soft, should get up and go back home. And we all know about this. This is a popular topic for Shabbos drashas. <laughs> but really, when you realize that they just said, don't be afraid, so who's the one who's afraid? Now, the, the, the sort of flippant answer is, well, since when does somebody telling you, don't be afraid, make you not afraid? <laughs> but that's not true. The Kohen Mishoch Mohammed is not just talking. It's expected that this speech will actually have an effect on people. And you could imagine that if you're fundamentally a person with your Shemaim, then yet you might need to be reminded. But when you're reminded, yes, that will put you back in your frame of mind that you need to be in. So who's still going to be afraid at that point? The one who doesn't feel close to God at that time. Exactly. And that's why Rashi quotes, he first quotes Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, what does it mean someone who's afraid? Rabbi Akiva Omer Kemash Ma'o. Just the way it sounds. She'enu yacholamod b'kishri He's somebody who can't stand up to the stress of battle and seeing swords unsheathed. He faints at the sight of blood. This is somebody who just can't deal with. He's very gentle and okay. Rabbi Yossi Haglili Omer. Rabbi Yossi Haglili says, no, I cannot mean that. <laughs> because in this context, how could it mean that? Now, Rabbi Kiva will have his answer, I'm sure. Right? Rabbi Yossi Haglili says, Hayari me'avera shebiado. We saw this because we spoke about this around Zimra. Because the Gemara, the Mishnah says that 
who's the person who's afraid of the Averas in his hand? Which is what Rabbi Yossi clearly said. The person who's afraid, it's one who's afraid of the Averas he's got. Because that would mean that he does, he has taken to heart the message that it's only God that's acting. That's the only thing to be afraid of. But he's really, really afraid. Okay. To the point where he's too afraid to fight. He doesn't have the confidence that God will be there with him or will help him. Therefore, he needs to go home. In other words, he needs to go back, la Hazor. He's got a review. He's got some work to do. And presumably he would come back afterward. I mean, but he got to go back. So this comes up in Psuki de Zimra because the question is, the Mishnah says, so what does it mean, Averis? What kind of Averis? And the Mishnah says, somebody who speaks between Ishtabach and Yotzer. Now, <laughs> right? Like, that's the Avera? Like, we thought you meant something big. Is that, how big is it? Like, so, you get, uh, high school teachers will bring this example of how serious it is not to speak, but I think it's a little bit of a mistake to teach it that way, because now everything has the same scale, and it's difficult to, like, get a grip on yourself, and you end up becoming the soldier who has to run away from the, from the battle. Um... But I think that one thing that it tells us is it's, it's this point, because Psuke de Zimra is recognizing that it is God's hand behind all forces, mm-hmm. which is the avoda of touching base and gruros, that there are all these powers out there and there are all these movements and battles, but it's Hashem who is behind all of them. Mm-hmm. If you speak between that, in other words, if you interrupt with another thought between that recognition and getting over into Shema, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, you have to go back into the battle. You've lost ground. You need to go back and you need to recoup the right frame of mind before you can go forward. I think that that's what it generally means over there. Okay. I had another thought this morning while I was davening, which is the Avera Shebeyado that are in his hand, which is like a little bit of a funny statement. Again, like I'm not an expert. This is a Mishnah or a Gemara. So... Like, there's probably a lot on it. I just don't know it. But it's a little awkward. It's a little clunky sounding. Mm-hmm. It should be, just be like, Hayari Me'averos or Mi'chatav or something like that. Like, why his hand? Mm-hmm. And it did occur to me, because I was thinking, you know, in Adon Olam, Hashem is, uh, that, I mean, talk about this message, right? Adon Olam, God is master of the entire universe, which he rules, right? He is in charge of everything. That's really Adon Olam. And he is... He's infinite and omnipotent. Okay. Biado, in his hand, that's God's hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Yosef, clearly his hand mm-hmm. is the person's hand, the soldier. Mm-hmm. Right? He's afraid of the Averish Biado in his own hand, mm-hmm. the person's hand. Over here we have Biado in God's hand, Afkid Ruchi, I shall entrust my spirit, mm-hmm. my feelings, when I go to sleep and I will wake up. You hear the echoes of Tchia Samesim right there. The imruchi, and with my spirit, griyasi, my corpus, <laughs> Hashemli, God is with me, below I won't be afraid. If I put how I feel about it, mm-hmm. if my feelings are on biyado, God's hand, below mm-hmm. I won't be afraid. Because Hashem is li, God is on my side, He's for me. Robert Orlok says, God's not out to get you. Like, it sounds ridiculous, but there are times when we have a pattern of thinking which essentially is afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Hashem Lee, God's on my side. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be afraid. Maybe a lot of other things, but I'm not going to be afraid. And despite that, I know I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sleep, but I'm not afraid because I'm in his hand. And that's where I want to be. Because the alternative is I'm in my hand. <laughs> and then I, I can't function. I can't go into the war. Whether I'm going to end up sleeping in that war or not, I can't go into it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm focused on what's in my hand, what's in my control. I think I have some kind of control. If I think it's all up to me, that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. If I realize I'm really in his hand, then there's no, nothing scary. So that's just my thought on the biado bit. But I think it, it's certainly a legitimate point, whether or not it's the explanation for why Rabbi Yossi Haglili used that word. It's a legitimate point that is what we learn out from here. Okay. So that's an example of it. The Mishnah, in the Mishnah Torah, which is the Rambam, here's another handout. 
This is great how you get double duty. See, you wouldn't have had this hat back if I hadn't had to do it for another share, but it works out. Okay, sorry, the letters are a little small on this one because I tried to fit it onto two pages. And I've had a trouble with this application, which it lets me make this the files, but it doesn't let me save them. So I can save them into my computer, but I, then I can't edit them anymore. That's interesting. Anyway. The Rambam, and we have seen this Rambam before, but as usual, there's some new aspect to it that we haven't clicked on, and where we've seen this Rambam is talking about how do you come to love God. Okay, so I'm probably just going to read the bits that are bold. Hakel hanichbad v'hanora hazeh. Mitzvah l'ahavo oso. It is a mitzvah to love and fear. Somehow I missed that part in the past. It was only the love I knew I noticed, I guess, because it was the topic. It is a mitzvah to love and fear this mighty and powerful and awesome God. Mm-hmm. As the Torah says, we all have toys Hashemul Kecha and Hashemul Kecha Tira. You should love God, you should fear God. Point two. And what is the path to loving him and fearing him? How do I get there? And I have to tell you this is a question I've often wondered about. Because you read in people who have so much your Shemayim, and you think, okay, but that's maybe for them, not for us. Like, how? I wouldn't know how to get there. Ram says, how do you get there? What's the derech? What's the road? It's interesting that it's a singular path. Yeah. Yeah, I love how you catch on. <laughs> Bisha'a, it is, but I don't know if we're going to get that far. But if we remember, mm-hmm. if you remember to ask me, I will share some ideas on that. At the time, which is also interesting, at the time, when a person, which suggests that you have to keep on doing it because mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't last just from a one-off. You do it over and over again. When a person contemplates God's deeds and his wondrous creations and mighty creations and he sees in all of those creations God's wisdom which has no immeasurable, can't be measured and is endless now obviously we can't see the endlessness, what we can see is it's greater than we are able to conceive of the more we study it the more we look at it, the more we realize there's so much more behind it Miyad, immediately. He loves, he praises, and he glorifies. And is filled with an immense craving, to feel close to Hashem, the Great One. As David said, My soul thirsts for God. And when a person calculates. So this is also, I'm sure the Rambam is distinguishing between Yisbonei and Umechashev, but I can't say, I, I'm not knowledgeable enough about how the Rambam uses words to explain it. When he calculates uh, these things, which he has already misbonein, which over here he uses, uh, he translates as uh, contemplate. Lehisbonein, in this sense, would be to cause it to be inside of yourself. So you think about it in such a way as to internalize it. Mechashev is more calculating intellectually. When he calculates about these things themselves, miyad, immediately. So in both cases, he describes it as something that's sort of like an automatic result. If you think mm-hmm. about certain things, something will happen. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Who near tal he's thrown backward. V'yifached, and he is terrified. V'yodea, and he knows. He gets a deep sense. Shehubriok tana shefala afela. That he is a teensy, low, dark creature. Omedes bedas kala meuta. Standing there with his very minimal, lightweight understanding. Lifne tamim deos. Before the one who knows all. Sometimes you see somebody maybe in a group, and they're spouting off like 
their knowledge and how they know about things. And they're making a fool of themselves to anyone who knows even a little bit about the topic. Because they sound as if they think they know what there is to know and they're sharing it with everyone and it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Imagine when you realize that that's you. <laughs> you are this little, tiny, ignorant little creature who sees one little tiny piece mm-hmm. of a very dark, unilluminated part of the picture. Mm-hmm. And on we go, knowing everything. And then suddenly we look around and we realize that this was not, this whole room was not the whole story. There was an entire skyscraper we were standing on, which is on an entire island of skyscrapers, which is a very small piece of the whole city, which is a small piece of a larger state. And there's another, like, I was trying to understand everything from this, and boy, do I feel low. That's a scary feeling. As David Amalek said, when I see your heavens, the work of your fingertips, and then he transitions to Ma'enosh Kisis Kirenu, what is man? Which is sort of like man is nothing, right? In the same way that who is like you means there's none like you. Man is nothing, Kisis Kirenu, that you should count him. <laughs> like what is God that you should take count of him? Now, here you're torn. You're torn forward by a craving to get very close to God and thrown backward by a terror of how humiliatingly tiny you are and undeserving. <laughs> and based on these important ideas, I will be able to explain many great concepts regarding the deeds of the master of the universe for those who wish to have an opening to learn to love God. Okay. Uh, sorry, I had that in bold. That was more for the Sukkot okay, Zimmer group because he says from this atamak here you come to recognize s misha amar v'hayaha he who spoke and the world was, which is baruch she'amar v'hayaha So that's that's very nice, but it's not our topic. Okay. So. The concept we get from the Rambam, which is why I had at least a little bit of a direction into what Rav Hirsch was saying, is that the path towards Yerash Shamayim begins with contemplation of God's deeds, mm-hmm. looking at the greatness of his acts and creations. I want to just... That one. Okay. God is, we need fear nothing, not even death, for God is mightier than death. He can reawaken even the dead to renewed life. Thus he is abundantly powerful, and this he demonstrates by his gracious gifts of wind and rain, which determine the course of all earth's physical development, and also in the high and low periods part of the lives of men. Everywhere it is his almighty power that acts to preserve the living, and so on. In other words, we look at all the mightiness, all the power, the more we think about it, the more we recognize that it is Hashem's force acting. It's not their own energy. That these are God's creations that are so enormous and terrifying. Then we are brought, number one, not to be afraid of them, but we are brought to be afraid of God. We recognize that it is him who is acting and is so great and powerful. Now there is a wonderful... Let's see, back to it. Okay. When Rav Hirsch talks about Yira, and this was something we had started looking at on Shabbos. When Rav Hirsch talks about Yira, he starts with two psalms, one of which is the following. I, th- I didn't write down the source. I'm pretty sure it's Shmos Parakhach Pasuket Zion. Bayomer Moshe El Ha'am. Moshe said to the nation, Al Tira'u, don't be afraid. Ki Lebaavur Nasos Eschem Bo Elokim. It is for the purpose of raising you up 
that God has come, that God Lashon Elohim Din has come. And for the purpose that fear of him should be on your faces, in order that you will not sin. Now I have to tell you, this Pasuk is immediately following the Asera Sadibros. Maybe I should put this is not just like, I mean, there is no such thing as a random Pasuk, but when you hear a Pasuk with no context, it sort of comes out that way. Okay. When you realize, like, where this is, I was, I myself was, like, a little bit thrown, thrown back, okay? Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not have adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not testify falsely against your friend, thou shalt not covet the house of your friend, thou shalt not covet the wife of your friend or his servant, or his maidservant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your friend. The Chol Ha'am and all of the nation, Roem Es Hakolos, saw the sounds, saw the thunders, the Es Halapidim, and the lightning, the Es Kol HaShofar, and the sound of the Shofar, the Es Hahar Ashen, and the mountain smoking. Vayar Ha'am, the nation saw all this, Vayanu'u, and they trembled, Vayamdu Me'rachok, and they moved backwards. <laughs> they were thrown back. Mm-hmm. That was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Vayomru el Moshe, and they said to Moshe, Daberato imanu venishma'a. You speak with us, and we will listen. Let God not continue to speak to us, lest we die. Right? And the Chazal tell us they did die. Mm-hmm. And they had to keep getting revived. And there's Tchesa Mesim right there. And then they died again, and they were revived again. And finally they said, we might listen better. <laughs> if <laughs> we filtered this down one notch Vayomer Moshe El Ha'am and Moshe said to the people Al tira'u, don't be afraid God isn't doing this to kill you God has done this to elevate you that's why he has come and in order that the awe and fear of him should be on your face, that you should not sin. And the nation stood at more of a distance, and Moshe approached the dark fog where God's presence was waiting for him. So this is not just a posok, as if there could be such a thing. <laughs> okay, this is smack dab in the middle of Kabbalah Satar. Which is not going to be so surprising. Okay, should I give you a hint? Just like a tantalizer, this bracha in Shemona Esrei has 49 words. Oh. Talk about smack dab getting to Kabbalah Satora. <laughs> okay, not today though. <laughs> okay, so there's something going on here about the Yura. First of all, we got to learn about it from here, because what is this fear is going to be on your face? The whole purpose of God's, all of this, what you've seen, and it's so frightening and powerful and overwhelming, and it throws you backward. God is doing this to elevate you, and they were so, so that you will have Yerushalayim, and this is part of being able yeah. to receive the Torah. So there's all these pieces jumbled together, but all of them are very suitable and helpful, and they're all really the same idea. All right, so the Orachayim over here, sorry, I'm like a little... Closed it. Okay. The says something very interesting, and this touches on what you noticed, Kelsey, which is how come the Av and the Yira keep are going together? It's like one process with two outcomes. Mm. Alright. This Pasuk, by the way, is like that. God came, Libba'avor, Uva'avor. And that was my first question. How could you have two Ba'avors in one statement? Hmm. Ba'avor means this is what it's for. Right. How could you have two in one statement? Okay. Do not fear, Orachim says. Don't be afraid that, because what are they afraid of? That God will keep talking to them. Because it was for a purpose. And he's already accomplished what he needed to do. Meaning God had a plan, that needed, a, a purpose that needed to be fulfilled, and he did. That was, raising you up. He made you a, a standard, a banner, mm-hmm. flying high. That they are now distinguished and set apart for the good. The, this is very Kabbalistic, which means I don't understand it anyway. The question is, because the, 
the tuma which had held them back as all humans from the time of Chava's conversation with the snake Mm -hmm. where she accepted his argument and in doing so took something snake into herself right when you talk to someone you exchange ideas Mm -hmm. it's much it's a pretty profound exchange Mm -hmm. she accepted what the snake said and that got passed on and on and on and on and here it was removed in that elevating of us at Har Sinai that's why you've heard the idea where the Medrash says, uh, it's not a Medrash, I mean, it's based on a Pasuk and Tehillim, where Hashem says that bat at Har Sinai, now you are like man. You're like Adam Harishon, right? We get back to a level of Adam Harishon before the sin. Right? God had removed, he had stopped that contamination, that Tumah. By means of direct contact with the word of God. But there's also a second purpose here. In order that there should be. So this is something going forward. So there was something that was already accomplished and something going forward. So that's why there are two purposes listed. And yet, there are one purpose. That's what we're going to notice, that same Avayira. It's two things with one that are somehow attached. And even over here, it sounds like two purposes, but if you look closely, one is libaavor, two for the purpose. So one purpose leads to the next purpose. It's not two separate purposes. It's that there's one big purpose. You have to get to stage one, and that enables the trigger. It's like two dominoes, right? You push the first domino, and you'll knock over the second one, and now you've accomplished the bigger goal. What's the second purpose, Bavortiya, that there should be, that there should be fear of God on your face that you not sin? What does that mean? That in uprooting the contamination from the sin of the snake from them, they are now able to acquire fear of God. In elevating the people, what can be shown on their face is Yeres Hashem. Now, I think that what the Orachim is doing, and I'm not certain, is saying that something we know, which is that the word Yira, fear of God, is related to Yira seeing. Mm-hmm. That not just that the fear of God can be seen on your face, but that godliness can be seen on your face. You're also the sight of him. <coughs> that the sight of God will be on your face. Because now the Tselem Elohim that God created man to be is, is back to its first level. In the person going back to the state of Adam HaRishon before the Chait, so now the Tzal Melokim, in other words, is back to its level before the Chait. Which means that God can be seen more clearly on their faces now. The Harvachas based Varim Elu, and the prophet, or the expansion, or the opening up of these two things, who levilti secheto, is in order that you shall not sin. Ki komi boshes panim, ha'amura, whoever has the ability to show shame on his face, a person who's able to say, oh my gosh, I was wrong, I messed up. That is his yira that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. He won't sin so quickly. A person who's consciously able to admit to himself, let alone to others, that he messed up and he's done wrong, that alone will help him not sin because he'll recognize the truth of what he's about to do. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, how will I feel about that? May be able to realize that's wrong. Whereas a person who's justifying and has the, the opposite of Boshe's pun would be sort of like Azus pun and brazenness. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it was fine. There's nothing wrong with it. What's the matter? Right? So then he doesn't, he's, he's circumventing in order to feel better. Mm-hmm. He's circumventing that which naturally would help him to do the right thing or to avoid doing the wrong thing. Okay. So one of the things that we find over here is. That in removing, let me see, hold on, there was another source that also says this. Kliyaka. Kliyaka talks about it also in terms of what they saw versus what they heard. And what they saw led them to fear. 
they said, Moshe, you speak and we'll listen. So the listening is associated with Ahava, being able to draw close to it. Whereas the seeing is associated with Yira, which makes sense, Ra, <laughs> which, okay, which is really fascinating if you think about it, because Kabbalah Satora and Nasevinishma will listen is associated with Ahava and Kriya Shema Yisrael, listen, and covering our eyes. So in order to sort of fully experience the love, that happens more through the listening, whereas the seeing is the facilitator for the fear, which is also necessary. Mm-hmm. And one of the points that the Orachayim is making is that there were two purposes here that were one, Mm-hmm. There was stage one, and that is accomplished. That was that you had to have the seeing, the yira. Mm-hmm. Now we're good to go ahead with stage two, where I will tell you the rest. The ava. They the have to remove... They didn't get enough of the first part. Uh, well, it could be. He, or Chaim says they did. We didn't stay at this level. As soon as the egel happened, mm-hmm. it was lost. This mm-hmm. was one of the great tragedies of human history. Mm-hmm. It's just that this Pasuk stands at an unbelievable moment. It's essentially at the peak. Um, one of the things that I think the Orchaim is telling us is you have to have the process of Yerushalayim and Avas Hashem is a process where in attaining the Yira, you remove, it keeps you away from sin, so you remove that which is the barrier and it can drop into place, that miyad of the Rambam, can drop into place the ahava, the love, the presence of the Shrina visible on the person, and also his own sense of the Shrina there. And uh, Rav Schwab has said elsewhere, these are a kind of constant back and forth. There's this, this tension back and forth of ava, yira, ava, yira. If it's real ava, yira, then in fact you are constantly going back and forth between them because one does lead to the other. It's not an up and down as much as maybe a left and right. Mm -hmm. They're together, and they are meant to be together. Okay, so Rav Hirsch and Chorev. Just make sure, is that what we're up to? Click that far, yeah. Okay. The fear of God consists in laying to heart all that scripture has so far taught you about the greatness of God such as his omnipotence, his grandness, his omnipresence, his endless activity, his majesty, his giving of the law, his omniscience, his scrutiny, his justice and judgment, his just retribution, etc. In impressing all this so vividly on your mind that the thought of his greatness never deserts you, and that everywhere and always, and in everything you behold, the almighty, great, creative, omnipotent, all-ruling God who has revealed to you his law for guiding your life, and watches to see whether you fulfill this will of his. So there you have the aspect of the Torah and the mitzvos, right? Torah is Ava and the mitzvos are the Yira, kind of, right? Examines and judges and requits you. Yira Hashem means strictly to see God everywhere and to feel your own littleness in his greatness. That definition, <laughs> that definition, um, it says it all, because he holds it holds within it the joy of Yerushalayim as well. Mm-hmm. That Yerushalayim is is scary and joyous at the same time, because my littleness is so little, and his greatness is so big. And because it's both of those at once, the fear is born of my littleness, but the joy and love is born of his bigness. Mm-hmm. It's, if I put myself in his hand, so I'm not going to be afraid. I might have a very, very intense feeling of how small I am, but afraid, no, because I'm so little. But that's okay, because the littler I am, the more I realize that he's doing it all, that he is so great. Okay, and then I want to again quote from the end of this essay. Early in life, therefore, 
sons and daughters of Israel, open your minds to the greatness of your God. Advance with your fathers to Sinai. And just as they beheld their God's greatness, majesty, and omnipotence, beheld how he and he alone is in everything, in the greatest as in the smallest, and the whole universe is enclosed in his greatness, so do you everywhere stand at Sinai. Let God everywhere reveal himself to you, in everything, great and small. Seek him everywhere. Everything which has been, which is, which will be, above all, everything which has happened and will happen to you, refer everywhere and always to God, and think of it as being only from God. So will every creature, even the smallest, every change, even the slightest, every fleeting moment recall God to you. The omnipotent holy God will be everywhere present to you in his all-embracing greatness, so that you may be servants to him and not sin. Show that you are the descendants of those who beheld the greatness of God in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and at Sinai. I think that what he has given us here is the explanation of the Rambam, mm -hmm. is the explanation of the Pasuk, is the definition of Yerush Hashem, Yerush and how to achieve it. And by the way, how to be, how to accept the Torah. <laughs> I, this paragraph, hi mommy, good morning. I'm feeling so much better. Yeah. Just getting started, but yeah, she's been feeling so much better this week. This, what he has done is explained what the Rambam sort of was trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. If the more you look at the world and the more you see how awesome it is and mighty it is and brilliant it is, the more you feel the smallness, your smallness and its bigness, but if in that you see that that's really God's power, then more and more you are seeing God's power in everything in the world. And when that happens, then everything in the world is calling out God to you. And so you have a constant awareness. This is Yiras Shemayim. It's fear and awe of God that also causes you to see God's presence in everything and everywhere. It, it means the same thing. That's why it's the same word. It's just that it was hard to tell in what way that works. But I, I can't even, this is all of it. But it's also something tangible. It's something you could really do. It's not tangible, but something you could really do. It's achievable. Because I don't know how far I could get down that road. Every moment of my life, I don't know, right? Will I get to that? There should be zochet to such a thing. But to be able, in more moments of my life, to think about, you know, whatever it is that I'm able to notice it in, whether it's in science or remembering an earthquake or in sickness, somech noflin, cholin, what powerful, frightening things, mechai hamesim, even death itself. If I look at it and I see, A, it's bigger than me, and B, it's Hashem who's controlling it, then I am both afraid and not afraid. I'm afraid of nothing except God. And that is a very happy and calm kind of fear to be in. The awe rather than the terror. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a fear, you know, I once... Uh, it's not an original idea, Tzadon Olam. I said to one of my teachers... I could feel that I was being held very, very tightly in God's hand. It was very, very tight. But there isn't anywhere else I'd want to be. That's Hashem right? It doesn't mean I, under, I know what's going to happen, but where I would want to be. Okay, I actually put the quote, that last paragraph put most of it on there, yeah, because it was so awesome. Okay, um, it's kind of 10.15, which makes it sort of late. I really wanted to...
You know what? This we can do next time. This we can do next time. So, beginning is, this is the beginning, the middle, the end. I mean, it's a, this is what this bracha is really about, but we will break it down into more details because Ache Knesset Sakadola didn't put it in just one or two words. They gave us some more details. But this is really the message. This is what we work on in Atagibor. If Hashem is our shield, then we fear, need fear nothing, not even death. That is what we are focused on in Atagibor. We contemplate the all-conquering omnipotence of God. Here, too, we learn that unshakable trust, which enables us to withstand all the vicissitudes of life and even death itself, and which enables all those pervaded with the genuine fear of God to unlearn the fear of human power or natural force, and in its place to acquire the skill of passing calmly and serenely through all the trials that are part of daily living. I read it at the beginning, because yes. you have to know what you're going to, but when you read it at the end, there's something more. Yes. It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here. Are we going to try and learn today? Um, 